Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and this week's guest is Dr. Susan Pores, an associate professor of surgery at Harvard Medical School and the chief of breast surgery and medical director of the Hoffman Breast Center at Mount Auburn Hospital in Cambridge, Massachusetts. With a focus on individualized care and compassion, the Hoffman Breast Center is accredited by the National Accreditation Program for Breast Centers and is among the best in the nation. And you might also recognize the name Hoffman in the title of the center, funded by author and breast cancer survivor, Alice Hoffman, who has also shared her story as part of this month-long series. We believe that if you want to get someone's attention, you just tell them a great story. And I know our guest has one to tell us today. Dr. Pores, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Candy. Why did you choose surgical oncology and in particular breast surgery as your specialty? I became interested in surgery as a young girl. My father's a surgeon and he used to take me on rounds in the hospital when I was a little girl. And he was originally from Germany. So after we made rounds in the hospital, we would always go to one of the German delicatessens <laughs> or bakeries, and they would give me a little treat. So I got a lot of positive reinforcement. <laughs> wow. So that sounds a little heavy. I mean, how old were you as a little girl going on rounds? Oh, three or four years old. Wow. But it was something I really enjoyed, and I think the patients enjoyed it, too. Can you give us all a snapshot of where we are? in the treatment of breast cancer? I think we're at a very exciting time in the treatment of breast cancer because we have so many new things that we can offer patients today, treatments we could have only dreamed about when I was a medical student and resident. We have targeted therapy that we can treat patients with HER2-positive cancers with a drug called Herceptin and several analogs of that that are just incredible. Increased survivorship, decrease recurrence rates by significant amounts. So it's really made a difference in survival for women with breast cancer. You know, it used to be that a mastectomy was the surgical procedure that was done when you had a breast cancer diagnosis. Not the case anymore. Not at all. If we can catch things early with good screening, we can almost always do a lumpectomy. And if somebody comes in with a more advanced cancer, then we will treat them with chemotherapy or targeted therapy or hormone therapy before we do their surgery, shrink the tumor, bring it to a smaller size so they can save the breast. Now, that's not always possible. There's still patients that will need a mastectomy. Our lumpectomy rate at Mount Auburn Hospital is about 80%. I mean, it's very high. It sounds to me like the Hoffman Breast Center is really a very special place to be. Individualized care, compassionate care. These are the terms that I hear associated with your breast center. And your services are all under one roof. So for our listeners who rely on us to describe things, walk us through your center. The first place that you'll come as your entry into the center is usually the women's imaging part of the Hoffman Breast Center, where we have a very dedicated team of radiologists technologists. We have a social worker there, a navigator, and nurse practitioners. You know, it may just be that you have your screening mammogram, it's fine, and you go home. But if there is something found, then they can spring into action, 
do the other tests that are needed, and sometimes do the biopsy as well all on the same day. Then if anything needs to be done, the navigators will make sure that you're immediately referred to the surgical office. Myself or my partner, Dr. Kim, see people immediately and help coordinate whatever care is needed, whether it's the medical oncologist, radiation oncologist, or just surgery, then all of that is arranged as quickly as possible. Telling a woman she has breast cancer can't be easy. And I'm guessing that each woman handles it differently and that you have to be really aware of her state of mind as you talk to her. Tell me a little about that. Well, I think it's very important whenever you're in a room with a patient that essentially it's just you and the patient and you tune everything else out. I try to forget about all the other things that I have to do, the other patients that are waiting in the waiting room, and it's just as if there's only one patient in the world that needs your attention at that time. I am intrigued by your book titles, The Soul of a Patient, The Soul of a Doctor. Tell me about these books. I work a lot with the medical students at Harvard Medical School, and The Soul of a Doctor we published about 10 years ago, that's a compilation of essays by third-year medical students that are just coming into the clinic from the classroom and are just starting to learn what it means to be a doctor. The newest book, The Soul of a Patient, is about first-year students who were assigned to a patient for an entire year. So they really were just learning along with the patient. They become friends with the patient. Sometimes they'll go to their home. They go to the operating room with them. The whole experience throughout the year, and it's really quite a special compilation of these uh, very in-depth essays. Being a doctor is so much more than diagnosing illnesses. What is your definition of a great doctor? I think a great doctor is, above all, a good listener and really can hear what the patient is trying to say. And sometimes it is between the lines. And it does require some time. You really can't rush in and out. Obviously, you have to be good at what you do. You have to know all of the medicine. You have to be technically good in the operating room if you're a surgeon. But the relationship is really paramount to success. You are the chair of the American College of Surgeons, Women in Surgery Committee, and a past president of the Association of Women Surgeons. Are there a lot of women surgeons out there? Tell me that we've got more coming through the ranks as well. We definitely have more coming through the ranks, and it's something I'm very proud and happy to see how many more women are going into surgery and all kinds of surgery. You know, there were certain areas of surgery that for a long time were felt to be sort of off limits, neurosurgery, orthopedics, heart surgery. But now women are taking the lead in those areas as well, and they're rising to leadership positions. When I was a resident, there was only one woman in the United States that was the chair of a department, Olga Yonason. And now we have over 22 women that are chairing surgical departments uh, throughout the country. Have you had a mentor? I've had many mentors, and that really makes the difference. Are you a mentor? I try very hard to be a mentor. I was given a mentoring award by Harvard Medical School. and it's You must be doing something right then. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I take very seriously. How do you create a bond with your patients? How do you do it? By being a good listener? I think it's by being a good listener and also being curious about what makes them tick, what their life is like outside of the hospital or the exam room, and 
you know, asking them questions about their vacation, their family, their interests, and just getting to know them. Cancer care has changed so much in our lifetime. When my mother was dying of breast cancer, I was only 18 years old, and her doctor did not have your bedside manner. Cancer was the C word or the big C. They just didn't really talk about it. None of my friends knew how sick my mother was. I was really in the dark until a very kind nurse pulled me aside and brought me into a supply closet because there was no private place to talk to families. And remember, I'm an only child and I'm 18 years old. And she said to me, let's get your mom a private room. She's going to be dead in 24 hours. And she was. And I'm telling you, doctor, I've never forgotten that nurse and her words and the way that I felt, how I needed someone to tell me what the heck was going on here. It sounds to me like care for breast cancer patients has done a complete 360 from what I just described to you. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust TechHelpBoston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. Well, that's a devastating experience that you describe, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That nurse was being very kind and being honest and open, but that's also very difficult to hear, especially when there's so little time left. And I think we are better today at communication with the family as well as the patient. Women are living longer with breast cancer, but that also means that they require ongoing care. Metastatic breast cancer patients need medical and emotional support as they continue to live with this disease. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we are doing better and better at treating women with breast cancer, as you say, and they're living longer. And even women with metastatic disease can live for years. Yes. It's truly amazing. It's almost like a chronic disease after a while. And, and you know how you can develop a resistance to an antibiotic. After a while, they may develop a resistance to the medication they're being treated with. But because we have so many new medications, oftentimes the oncologist just has to change the medication and they have more time. The hard part, I can only imagine, but I want to hear what you have to say about that, is when you lose a patient that you've been taking care of for a long time. How do you handle that? as a woman, as a person living in the world and having created a bond, how do you go back to work the next day when you lose a patient? It's always heartbreaking to lose a patient and it happens to all of us. We try to communicate with the family, give our condolences, help them in any way that we can, but then we just have to find the strength to help the next patient as well. They say that breast cancer is a, a learning experience. You know, I've had two women here in our studios who have shared their stories with us today, both breast cancer survivors, and they say that they changed when they got breast cancer 
between the diagnosis and recovery. Do you see that in your patients too? I think it does change you to have to go through this experience. You're suddenly faced with your own mortality, fears for your children and your husband or your partner, worry about money, just the experience of going through the treatments. For a lot of women, the treatment is not too bad with surgery, radiation, and hormonal therapy. That's easy for us to say it's not too bad. Even when you don't need chemotherapy, those treatments can still make a big difference. They change your body image. When you go on hormonal therapy, you may have side effects like hot flashes. It might affect libido, vaginal dryness. They seem like small things. You know, you're alive. Right. But the quality of life may change. And for some women, that's very upsetting. Let's focus on you for just a second. Did you always want to be a doctor? You mentioned that you went on rounds with your dad. You were only three or four years old. He was a surgeon. Was it always, I'm going to medical school? Or was there ever a time when you wanted to do something else? At that time, there weren't very many women in medicine, and I didn't really have that much self-confidence. So I originally went into teaching. I was an art and education teacher and worked in that capacity for a while. And then I realized that I, I really did want to go into medicine or see if I could. So I worked in a free clinic. At that time, there were free clinics and learned to take care of patients. Primarily, it was sexually transmitted diseases that we dealt with in the clinic. And I worked in an OBGYN office. Then I made the decision to try to go to medical school. And that was successful. You went to the University of Vermont undergrad and to medical school there as well. So did you grow up in Vermont? Are you from Vermont? No, I grew up in the Air Force. I was an Air Force brat. <laughs> but then when I got to Vermont, I really fell in love with Vermont and I married a Vermonter. So I want to go back just a little bit to medical school and probably being one of a handful of women in your class. I forget how many women were in the class, but we had majors at the time. And so I majored in surgery, and there were only five women that were also majoring in surgery at the time. You know, I've had a chance to talk to quite a few breast cancer surgeons, females, and they've both told me, or all three of them now, I bet you're going to say this is true, they sew better. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I mean, men are, are awesome surgeons as well. But so. I mean, the act of sewing someone. I've had someone tell me, oh, no, I'm so much better. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I wish we had a webcam. You're, you, you look like you're like, um, I don't know whether I should say, yes, I'm a better sewer than men are or not. What a grind, though, medical school. How did you get through it? You know, residents worked their, you know, they worked their butts off. And I don't, do they still make them stay up for like 24 hours a day like they used to? I mean... So Crazy. there are a lot of uh, limits now on resident mm. hours for mm. safety's sake. Yes. And so it really is a much better training regimen now than it used to be. So I encourage anybody interested in medicine and surgery to go for it. That moment when you raise your hand and you take the Hippocratic Oath, do you remember that? Absolutely. Tell me. That's a graduation from medical school. It's a very special moment. But how did you feel? I think I felt just so happy that I had finally made it through because, I, as I said, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. I wasn't sure that I could do it. My first choice was to be a resident at the University of Vermont. It was a great program, and I felt very lucky to have that opportunity. You are also a mom. Being a doctor and a mom, huge balancing act. Do you think that you became a better doctor when you became a mother? 
I think it definitely helps because you do understand the things that women face taking care of children and so forth. Yeah, I wouldn't trade that for anything. That's the most important thing in my life is being a mother. Have you met Alice Hoffman? Oh, many times. (laughs) How much of her soul is in that center? So much. Because when I first met Alice, when she first came to the center, I think it was 17 or 18 years ago, we didn't have a center. She was just sitting in radiology with all the other patients having chest x-rays and everything else. Once she was done with her own treatment for breast cancer, she sort of made a vow that she was going to change things. And we're just so lucky at Mount Auburn that she has been such a loyal supporter over the years. And I think of her as, you know, we're a team. We work together. We do a fundraiser every year. And she's made an enormous difference for so many women in the Cambridge area. And that includes Watertown, Somerville, Belmont, Arlington. All those women that come to Mount Auburn have benefited from what she's done. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? I guess the best advice I've ever gotten is to do what you have a passion for, to try to reach the goals that are important to you and not to give up. When an obstacle then is in your path, Dr. Susan Forrest, how do you get around it? Well, I think about it and scheme a little bit (laughs) and figure out another way around. There's usually a way to get where you want to go. You have to think of ways to get around the obstacles. So here you are running this breast center as the chief medical officer and someone who has been in oncology for decades. Maybe there's a woman who is listening to our show today who has just been told by her doctor, you have breast cancer. What's one piece of advice, if you could just reach through the microphone, talk to her, what would you say? Be optimistic. If you have a good bond with your doctor, then follow what they've told you. And if there's any misgivings, then go for a second opinion. And go find Dr. Susan Porras (laughs) at Mount Auburn (laughs) at the Alice Hoffman Breast Center. Success means different things to different people at different times in our lives. I'm a big believer in the fact that we live our lives in chapters. Right now, from where you sit so close to me here in our studios, what does success mean to you? Success means taking good care of my patients, seeing the center flourish, and also working to help more women enter surgery and have good careers. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today on the story behind her success. Dr. Susan Porras, thank you for what you're doing for women who have breast cancer and for young men and women who want to get into the field. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candy. It's been a delight. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story? <laughs>